This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. Here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Mr. Ira Wine Travel on the other side, and the band is back together. The boys are back in town. The MGO Blog Roundtable crew is here. Been looking forward to this like I do every single week. Joining us, the man that started it all at MGO Blog, Brian Cook. Brian, how are you this morning? I am not well. well. You're not well. No, we'll find out why coming up. We have Seth Fisher with us as well. Seth, good morning. How are you? I'm. I'm. I want five thousand dollars to show up to this, Sam. Are you a five star recruit? (laughs) I am. I am a five star radio recruit, and I demand my five grand. That's what Ohio State's paying. That's what I want. (laughs) If you think oh the Ohio State's paying that, I got news for you. I got news for you, Seth. All right, Craig Ross, how are you? I'm good. You know, the other thing I saw this week was not just 5000 to go to a place if you're a top recruit, but schools are giving kids money not to go to other places. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and so, in other words, you go to, let's say, Ohio State and you get your 5000 and they say, we don't want you going to Michigan. Here's another 5000 <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that, I that's see, being that's, reported. That seems a little, seems a little foolish to me. Because well, I mean, they can take the five thousand and still go on a visit. What are you go. gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, but you can't get the five thousand back. Can't report the kid. Yeah. So it seems like a good hustle to me. Anyway, we will talk about that. <laughs> we will get into what Gene yeah. Smith had to say to Congress. Congress, by the way, it, basically the message to college football is: is your mess? You clean it up. We aren't gonna bail you out. That was a big takeaway for for me. But let's talk about this game. Uh, what's the, what's the temperature on the blog, Brian, amongst the people? Uh, because we've, we've sensed here, not widespread panic, but there's been some panic, which I'm a little surprised by what, what's the temperature on the blog and what were, what was your take on the game? It's chaos. It's terrible. People are eating each other. It's, it's like a zombie apocalypse out there on the, on the message boards. It's uh, it it is. It's a debacle. (laughs) I, I mean, <laughs> no, it's uh, people. People have some concerns. I have, I, you know, I don't know, man. I we talked about this on our podcast on Sunday, and I went back and I, I like fifth, and and Seth was like, ah, I mean, like Barter ran his route like too deep, and uh, Johnson didn't run a very good route. He kind of gave up on it, and I was like, that's garbage. And then I looked at the film, and I was like, actually, maybe he's got a point. So. <laughs> So it's it's uh 
It's uh, it was it was an off game because in addition to the three interceptions, there's the missed throw to Morris, and there's the flea flicker, which is uh, more of a. If you saw that ball land, you thought the defensive back had more of a shot than the wide receiver. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just the, the the interceptions, but when you do go back to the interceptions, like I do think that there is a different world where the first two are complete um, because Barnhart gets beat on the first one and then Barner is in the end zone. So I don't think JJ's throw is exactly what he wants it to be because of the pressure. And then you get the guy kind of drifting back off Barnhart into the throwing lane. So when you get in the red zone, that precision becomes very important. And then on the second one, the different routes uh, that Wilson and and Johnson ran really kind of leap off the page. So it kind of felt like Johnson felt like the defensive back had inside leverage on him. So it wasn't going to come to him. And so he just kind of was like, all right, well, this isn't going to be me. It's going to be Wilson. And that was probably the right read on the play, but the ball came to him anyway. At the very least, he should have been in a position where that wasn't going to be an interception, I believe. Um, what did Al say about this? So the first interception is funny. Al and, and Devin, they kind of agree and they kind of disagree on Bar- uh, on what happened uh, as far as Barner is concerned. Uh, but something was wrong with Barner. So you, you zone on the front side, man to man on the back side. And he said, look, you know, Roman's the, the primary on the play. And it's a good call if Barner either does what Devin says he was supposed to do. And he said, he's a stick route. If he sees man, he's supposed to clear out. Or Al said, you know, I don't know that he necessarily uh, is totally to blame. It might be a structural thing where they, you know, from a scheme standpoint, they got to, they got to draw it up something different to clear that space a little better against the defense. Like they saw JJ saw on this play, either way, they said, look, this is a, a Barner issue. Maybe not his fault. It could be, the fault of the design, but well, also I mean, there is also the issue that that ball hits the defender in the chest, and what <clears throat> what it should be doing is it should be something that Roman Wilson in the back of the end zone has to reach up for. Mm-hmm. So the throw there exactly. is is not exactly what you want. I am heartened, by the way, to know that Devin Gardner and Al Borges are kind of like. I don't really know what's going on here because that's my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, Sharon said after the game, there was a spacing issue. So yeah. the, the spacing issue was clear. It's clearly a Barner thing. Now, why there was a spacing issue? Did he just wrong the run the route wrong? Or is that on, on coaching where they say, Hey, look, we gotta, we gotta fix that in the design. Well, the point I think that you just nailed is that when you look at JJ and you say, okay, man, that that's not totally on you. Plus it was a great, Great scheme. They had great individual play. They, they allowed the defender to play two guys. It should never happen. So you give them a pass. The second one, they ain't give them a pass on. Because on that play, he's got to go to Roman. You yeah, know, he does. Uh, Ro- <laughs> yeah. Roman is the alert on, on that play. So you got you to gotta give it a glance. And you see if he's clearly going to beat the guy. Like right when you give it a, a glance off the snap, he never looked at Roman. Right. He was going to the, the number one on that on the double post is CJ. He is the primary, but the alert is your first look just to see if it's there because he's a clear out. But if it's open, you go to him. And we've seen JJ throw alerts. He didn't even look at it because he was I don't know if it was by virtue of what happened to him in the first interception. They said, I'm going to go to CJ here because someone just picked off a post. I don't know what he was thinking, 
But whatever it was, for whatever reason, he said, I'm going to CJ by hook or by crook, even to the point where he tried to flinch the uh, the flat defender so he could get. So the window was open to, to CJ. And it, that's just not where he should have gone with the foot. But I don't mean that CJ ran the best route, but, you know, still ball shouldn't have gone there. I mean, so are those routes supposed to be identical? Because I mean, it's a double post. So, right. Yeah. So it feels like. It feels like Wilson is successfully getting across the face of his defender, and just the the amount of curve that J- uh, Johnson puts on the route isn't sufficient. And that worst case scenario, there he should be in position to make that an incompletion, and he's not. Yeah, I, I think perhaps we're making a bit much of it. A, the second ball should have gone to Wilson. He was open. He was within his range of vision. The third ball. Should have been thrown away. I don't care what Brian says. No. And, and the, That's and, fine. You sound and, like and, Devin, and, Devin said the same thing. I was like, man, I, and, I disagree. And, and, the, and, and Harbaugh's on our ball. side, too, by the way. Harbaugh was like, no, 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 no. let him cook. No. <laughs> and the first ball was mostly on JJ, too, because he's got, if he doesn't no. see that defender, Barner is open. And so throw it to Barner. He can't, he can't see that, Al. I mean, uh, so yeah, that's how much I argue it out. Hey, I'm honored. Al Borges Al, Al should be mortified. <laughs> he actually wasn't mortified. I mean, it, if you see the picture, like if you watch that play unfold, and Devin says, man, any quarterback would have thrown that ball where he threw it. Maybe you throw it higher to Brian's point, but I mean, it was so wide open with how it looked, but because of the spacing, you allowed that, that corner was that was no covering Garner to, to make that play. And he shouldn't be in position to do that. That should have been a wide open touchdown. Yeah. But the, the second two, yeah, you do put those on, on JJ, not to the point where you're beating him up. No, he's I'm not, not suggesting he's not that. He's not a habitual guy. He doesn't do that. Right. But he started to press a little bit in this game like we haven't seen. And that's why I think it's it, he's going to shake it. This, that's just not who he is. I, I want to be clear that on the third interception, that's a good decision. Rah. Like, like the, the window that is above Colston Loveland's hand and is catchable by the safety is, is incredibly small. So he, he couldn't, he, he threw a bad ball, but I'm completely fine with the decision to try to get it to Loveland there. Cause Loveland is huge. <laughs> like uh, shoot your how, shot. We're not, we're not here to kick field goals. Let's play some football. How likely, mm-hmm. I mean, is it that that, that throw is going to be on target given He's running out of bounds. He's, he's throwing. He's JJ McCarthy. You, you can't I, use I, your like. You know, I, I, you've seen quarterbacks before, but you haven't seen this quarterback. All right. I, I, yeah. Cook. I so, mean, McCarthy, so, McCarthy has been exceptionally accurate in those situations before. So he, for so, me, but in this game, he's already thrown two interceptions. Right. Yeah, but you can't. He's running, yeah. he's, he's running out of bounds. So he's and he's and not even to his, his throw side. He's running out of bounds and he's throwing across his body. As he runs out of bounds. He can do that. He's a five star. He's a first round pick. <laughs> it's fine. I don't, I don't want to coach the aggression out of him. And trust me, yeah. I don't JJ as much as anyone, but there's a line. There's I, a line yeah. there. I thought he wasn't anywhere close to that line. I thought you shouldn't have been in the game at that point. I thought they brought in Orgy for that drive. They, Orgy was cooking. He was doing fine. And then JJ takes a hit. And like that's the last thing I wanted to see at that point in the game. The game was over. I mean, Bowling Green, you say we're not here to kick field goals. Bill, Bowling Green came to kick field goals. They were, they they showed up done. And even when they were in the game, they're like, we don't want to be in this game. Get me out of here. <laughs> well, JJ yeah. said he's going to throw it at a 300 level next time. So, <laughs> you know, I think what Jim was doing is, you know, you, you don't want him to lose his gunslinger attitude. Like, you want him to stay aggressive. But there has to be 
as a coach, and I, I imagine what they said to him behind the scenes, like, man, we love you. We this is off game. They aren't coming down, but come on, we got to be in this situation. You know, live to fight another day, so to speak. I, I think that's probably what they said to him internally. Well, I don't agree. Let's, <laughs> like, let's go all Rex Grossman on this. Let's go. Let's go. It's fine. Because like, if you tell him, if you tell him it's okay, it's okay whenever he does it. Like it, it's it's a tight game. It's a tight game, and it's you know you're in you're at Penn State, and it's you know it's it's twenty seven to twenty four, and you're driving. And okay, if you could throw it now, you can throw it then, right? I'm telling you, like ninety ninety eight point three percent of the time, that that ball is harmless or a completion. Like if J like if JJ tried to do that again, he couldn't do it. Like to, to overthrow Loveland by the exact window where it can be intercepted is is very difficult. So fine. Well, you guys have you you guys have Devin Gardner on your side. He is very one hundred percent with Brian Cook and Seth. Tell Devin to unblock me on Twitter. Then <laughs> uh, we actually talk, we actually talked about it, not you specifically, but he this dude blocks everyone. Anyone who has the slightest bit. I have I I have never interacted with him on Twitter. And at some yeah. point he was he was still playing quarterback here and I was like, why is this guy blocking me on Twitter? Probably because I said something ignorant on my blog, but whatever. That was a long time ago. Now we're on the same side. He has a process for to get people off his block list. He gives them his Venmo and his his cash app. <laughs> <laughs> and you can buy your way off his block list. This is a great yeah. That's 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 not uh, worth it. But that's uh, not a bad idea. I'm gonna steal that idea. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not on his block list. You're not, <laughs> on, not Twitter. on Twitter. That's right. <laughs> you should be though, Craig. People miss you on Twitter, man. No, they don't miss me on Twitter. They're happy not to I will I will Twitter. immediately block Craig on Twitter. <laughs> and then and then, and then charge the him to get I off the list. Money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so it, here's the thing and Seth, we can start with you on this part. Uh, we we're talking so much about JJ and it being an off game, clearly an off game. I I, I think any concern about it is overblown because this is not him. This is not who he is as a quarterback. He'll bounce right back. But you lose sight of. I felt like I felt like they made some uh, some strides in the in the run game. They if they don't lose if they play sixty uh, sixty snaps, I think they rush for three hundred yards in this game. Well, they they brought back power, and you know what Michigan's been really good at since Jim Harbaugh got here is power. That's what they've been recruiting for. That's what they've been practicing. That's what they. That's what these guys know how to do. Now, not all of them. They've got some transfers on the line, but they brought in Henderson, and I don't know what Brian's charting looks like, but I'm very interested to see uh, what that looked like um, because we've been hearing that they're going to bring Henderson in this week, and that's kind of something we've been talking about is with the tackles because everybody else is fine. If you got Zach Zinner, you got to be running power, man. Like you're just gonna be blowing guys off the line, and as soon as they, as soon as they did that, they that's what they were they were fine at it, and they were great at it. And Bowling Green had no shot, and that works against everything that every single look you give them, except for throwing nine guys at the line of scrimmage, that works. And that running game is what it what we thought it was gonna be. Well, you I know, thought it was this... interesting. Go ahead, Brian. I thought it was interesting last week. Is that I think I charted about forty percent of their plays that weren't dives and, and the like were outside zone yeah. and they ran one in this game they picked up a couple yards on it because a guy got in the backfield and max bredesen did work on that guy but uh 
Quorum had to cut back into a bunch of traffic and, and didn't get very much. And then they dumped it out of the playbook. Like, I think the next time they ran an outside zone was when Orgy came in the game. So <clears throat> that is something that we had been talking about as something we thought was a little questionable because we didn't, particularly, I didn't think that Hinton was very good at running it. He's just not that type of tackle. Um, and you have Keegan, who's also kind of questionable in terms of his lateral mobility, very good in pretty much every other aspect of the game. But it kind of feels like that was an experiment. And given the fact that they put Ladarius Henderson in front of the media this week, I think he's starting. Like, that doesn't I seem do. like... <laughs> I do. Well, put it this way. I don't know. I didn't ask if he's starting. I guess I should have. But I asked him, am I off base thinking that dude play really well? I was like, nah, you're not off base. That means he's going to play meaningful snaps again in this game. Bowling Green didn't play. I was surprised by this because, you know, lefty, I thought offensively, even with a backup quarterback, they had a good plan. Uh, they did some some different, some crafty things defensively as well as we saw with the first pick. They didn't play up front the way the first two teams played. So I think they left yeah. themselves susceptible uh, to to Michigan's strengths. I mean, they they came out the gate with a counter and it and it hit like you know game busters and they countered them left and right in this game. So you know, I I feel I felt like they got into a groove there. I like their usage plan for Donovan. Couldn't, couldn't you guys tell that, you know, they wanted to get Donovan multiple touches in a row to try to get him some rhythm. That was noticeable. And then, Craig, Ladarius Henderson, like, yeah. you could, you could, I could feel him out there. Yeah, he. I thought he played well, and Brian may well be right about this. But this is curious to me. I didn't chart the game, but I watched uh, uh, Hinton pretty closely on uh, on the tape and i thought he played pretty well and and then i went back to a pff who you know we all have some questions about uh and they and they graded hinton out as the best offensive lineman this week at the michigan team and and so you know i don't and they graded him higher um and then henderson i i disagree with that well, I, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you that's a fact. That's what they that's what they graded him at. I'm not saying the grading is right, but but that's but that's how they graded him. And and when I looked at the tape, I I thought Hinton played okay. Um, and so I don't I don't know. And as Brian says, they got away from outside zone. They didn't run any of that or very much of that, and it may not be suitable to Hinton and Keegan. I think that's a very reasonable point, but. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I, it, obviously, the the program seems to want to see if Hinton can play. That's for sure because they've given him the opportunity, and and PFF at least this week sort of verifies that that thought. If now maybe they're wrong. Well, I, I I can't. We've we've talked about their offensive line grading for a couple of years yeah. now, and it's just all over the place. Like I was about ready to fight them after the opener when they rate, graded Keegan as Michigan's worst offensive lineman. Yeah, I remember. And I had him, I had him as a plus eleven and a half with no minuses, and I was like, "What's going on?" And I was going to like spend two thousand words talking about it, and then they graded <laughs> Keegan really well in the second game, and I was like, "What's yeah. going on here?" Like he's the same player, and I mean, last year they had Trevor Keegan as a run blocker rated behind six different Michigan state offensive linemen. Yeah. And six different Iowa offensive linemen. 
<laughs> Iowa was 127th in yards per carry last year. Like there's just like some of it just doesn't pass the sniff test. You so, wonder if they have different people watching. I'm sure they do. I mean, how could how could it not be the case, Sam? That, so you're not getting one person doing an evaluation. Right. You're probably getting thousands or hundreds of people doing these evaluations. I and, mean, I I take them pretty seriously when it comes to stuff like pass rush and coverage and quarterback stats, but their offensive line stuff is just I, I don't get it. Yeah, so tell me if you agree with this, Seth. When you watch Ladarius Henderson, the 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 athleticism and physicality is just different. Mm-hmm. What I was looking for, and I expected that you wanted to see if he was assignment sound. He was very assignment sound. There's just a different. There's a different feel, a different physicality with him out there at tackle. What I found interesting was when they took when they put Ladarius in, they flipped Barnhart over to the right side and it wasn't immediately go to Trente that. So it, what it says to me is the battle. If you believe Ladarius is, is one of the, one of the five guys. And I believe that even in a small sample space, then the battle is, is between Barnhart and Hinton on the other side. I, I don't, I don't see it that way. I think that like if Ladarius Henderson's going to be in, he's going to be on the left side and they can, and Barnhart's played everywhere. You can put Barnhart, you know, at, at running back, and he'll be fine. He's been on this team for ages, and he can. He's played every position on the line. He played right tackle last year, so he, he, it's easy for him to move it back. I think that the battle was between Henderson and Hinton, and they're giving Henderson a shot. And as soon as he gets on the field, he combos through a guy and then gets to a linebacker, and that takes agility. That takes being knowledge of the, of the of, of the play and where they're coming from. And I saw this, I watched both of them because they both play in the SEC. So I got to see them both against the same competition a lot uh, when I was scouting them this summer. And Henderson, I mean, he's just been doing it forever. He's a, he is a senior, right? He's a guy who played as a freshman and he's just seen it all. And I know that he left tackles a new thing for him and this offense is probably a new thing for him, but he's just got that senior, I'm not worried about it. I, I, I know what I'm doing out here. And Hinton looks like a freshman. I know that he's the same age, technically, right? But, like, he just he, he has so much potential. And Brian's right. Like, you see him struggle a little bit on, you know, on zone, outside zone, because it's just not who he is. It's not how he's built. He's a humongous offensive lineman. And I think that they were hoping because Hinton has that ceiling, that they could get that out of him. And I'm guessing that what they've seen after these few games is, okay, you got to give Henderson a shot now because Hinton is not taking off like they'd hoped. So what do you think? So, again, I guess the, the premise of my question is, if you believe that Henderson is one of the five guys, then are you saying that you think Barnhart is the other tackle, or do you think there's a battle there for the other tackle? I, I think Barnhart's number one to them, and number two question is is between those three guys. I don't know why Trent Jones isn't part of that conversation, you know, but it's a, they brought in transfers and the transfers want to play. I get that. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to roll with somebody, right? They're, they're used three games already. Now we're getting to the Big Ten. Rutgers is a serious defense with serious defensive ends, uh, and they're going to do some funny things to us. You know, Shiano's not going to hold it back like BGUSU was. So, you know, we're going to need to see it this week, and these guys are going to have to be ready to play with each other. And I think what it comes down to is Zinter's used to playing next to Barnhart, and that's probably your best right side. And then the question is who's going to be your left tackle, and Henderson's yeah. probably your left tackle. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Brian, you agree with that? I mean, 
the way this went down is a little bit odd, but I think it's telling that they put him in, you know, after the first drive of the second half mm-hmm. and then put him in front of the media, right? Like that's not, this guy's going to be a backup for this upcoming game. Um, and the thing that really jumped out about Henderson, other than his play is that those arms yeah. are indeed freaky long. <laughs> yeah. Like, so he might not have tackle height, but if you're talking about, <clears throat> can he keep guys off? Uh, can he, uh, pass pro, you know, I think he's got upside there. Um, and you know, he's done it a little bit already in his career. He's, a, he's a really personable guy. Uh, like there's a video of him talking about what he needed to do to become a D one prospect in high school out there. And, uh, he just really comes off as a, as a really likable dude. And so <clears throat> I think he, he'll be thrown in the deep end here. If he is going to, if he's going to play a lot against Rutgers, because uh, they didn't really give him a ton of warm-up snaps with the first team. But I think they were trying, they really saw Hinton's potential, and I just think it's going to take maybe a little bit longer to unlock that. Yeah, I I have to think that that's probably right. We'll see, but I think that's probably right. I mean, they still can redshirt Hinton, Yeah, I believe. And, and it may be that, I mean, that's, a, you know, a smart kid from a smart family. And it may be that uh, they can see the longer term and that maybe they see him as, you know, an NFL player, but not right now. So let's stretch it out. And, and so they play him now to see where the, where the issues are. And then they, next year they move forward with him. Incidentally, one of the better drafts that mock drafts that I saw, which came out, I think yesterday, doesn't have any Michigan players in the first round, including JJ. In the second round, they've got Corum and Jenkins, and that's it. So you have to wonder exactly, although per, this is probably ahead of ourselves, but we have to wonder exactly who might come back next year for Michigan. Um, it isn't clear to me right now. Uh, that the NFL is clamoring for Michigan players, except for Jenkins and Corum. Uh, switching gears over to the other side, great segue. We're talking about Chris Jenkins. What did you yeah. make of this defensive effort on Saturday, Craig? Uh, it was just, you know, it was very good. Uh, the defensive tackles were phenomenal. Again, Cam Good had a pretty good game, uh, I thought. And uh, there's a question right now about whether Mason Graham is healthy this week. I don't know if you guys know anything about that. I mean, I don't think the program has said anything. No, they haven't. There, so there's some rumor. Someone came in asking mm-hmm. us about that. I'll check on it. But I, I certainly hadn't heard anything before the rumors started popping up on message boards. Yeah. But well, the, uh, things start happening, they're usual. They're usually there's usually fire to that smoke. So I expect uh, Graham to be out this week, I would imagine. Yeah, I, that's my that's what I'm expecting, too. Um, you know, I don't think Rutgers uh, has a great team on offense. I think they're very tough on defense. Uh, and but I felt that the interior uh, defensive lineman for Michigan have probably been the strength, if anything, of this team, a team so far this year. Yeah, I, mean, depth. I mean, even if, if yeah. Mason is banged up, you know, provided it's not a, you know, this, this huge catastrophic injury, they can withstand uh, him not, or him being hindered uh, because you mentioned Cam Good, you still got Rashawn Benny, but I mean, mm-hmm. you just, you, what happens is you move Kenneth Grant up. Yeah, you put right. Kenneth Grant next to Chris Chris Jenkins, and I think you're still pretty good there. Yeah, I, Kenneth Grant is a disruptor. So 
this is the third opponent in a row who really just their entire strategy was get the ball out of the backfield as soon as possible because That's this defensive fast, line is yeah. going to kill us. And they were right. There's a play early in the game where Michigan has Colson just step back, and even if they're not looking at him, he's not even being read. It's not even an RPO. He's just dropping back into coverage, and Michigan's going to sit there with a light box, two fewer guys in the box than Bowling Green has, and they're using their quarterback in the run game. They have a read on that play, so it's eight on six, and Michigan crushes them, and they stop them at, at, for one yard, or, or zero yards, I think, on that one, and that's what this defensive line's been doing. Mason Graham... You know, all respect to Jenkins, who had an amazing game. Graham's their best defensive lineman. Um, Graham might be the best player on this team, or at least on the on the on the defensively on, on this team. And you know, he's he's going to be a big loss regardless. Kenneth Grant is just he's ridiculous, man. Like, there's just no way a guy should be able to move like that. And Ryan mentioned Ladarius Henderson with the long arms. That's a huge deal with a defensive tackle because an offensive lineman who cannot get into the chest of the guy he's blocking has no control over that guy. And you saw a couple plays in this game where Grant just throws the guy down and runs by him. And he accelerates so fast they can't even hold him. And Bowling Green, no one was calling any penalties in this game and they shouldn't be. Everyone wanted to get out of there. But like Bowling Green, when, when they got ripped by... Graham usually would get tackled, or Benny would get tackled, and that's what happens, right? And they couldn't even get to Grant. He's just so fast. But, like, he still makes mistakes. It's going to feel a lot different than Mason Graham. They might get gashed once or twice because, like, he gets in the backfield and, and isn't in his lane. But it's just, there's no answer for that. He just destroys any blocking because there's, you know, they slant this guy, and he's past you before you're even out of your stance. Yeah, uh, the other... We didn't haven't mentioned him. I don't think he only had seven snaps this week, but I think they were a decent seven snaps. Was uh, Trey Pierce, who's a a true freshman who is looks like will have some future uh, in the program because I think from what we've seen of him so far, he looks pretty good. Yeah, I wouldn't skip past Benny though. He's uh, he's really uh, no, I'm not skipping that. past Benny. No, but I'm just saying they actually have more depth than uh, Benny and Good because Pierce also has been playing some and has been playing some. Yeah. yeah, I want to branch out and talk about uh, some other stories in, in college football, college athletics on the other side. But a word about Rutgers, guys, before we move on. I mean, 3-0 and team. Uh, they, you know, Shiano seems to be improving the program. Brian, what do you think of the Scarlet Knights? Well, it's going to be hard for them to move the ball with Wimsett. Um, he's just not there as a, as a quarterback yet. I mean... He ran for 80-some yards in against Virginia Tech, but his passing output was abominable, and Virginia Tech is really kind of bottoming out as a program right now. So I, I think their defense is legit. It'll be an interesting test for, for Michigan's offense. Um, they have historically done pretty well against Michigan, in part because Michigan hasn't taken Rutgers seriously. Uh, I don't think they have that luxury right now. I mean, this is a 3-0 and team that has a couple of good wins, or at least good wins for Rutgers and Michigan should have the full playbook on, on offer here because um, they are going up against a version of this team. That's probably headed for a bowl game. And I feel like that should make a big difference. Uh, And we'll see exactly how much I expect JJ to to bounce back. And I expect Michigan to be able to, to pull away in this one, but I think it's going to be fairly tight for a half. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers is a, a competent team, and they're well-coached. I think Shiano is a good coach. Uh, they're, they have a good defense, so uh, 
that's not going to be easy. I don't see that they can move the ball very well. Uh, Mason Graham or no Mason Graham. Uh, their pass game is dreadful. Uh, and uh, I just can't see a one-dimensional team, a running team. Wimsack can run the ball a bit, but I, I don't see a one-dimensional team beating beating Michigan on that side of the ball. I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to have balance, and and they do have a good running back. Uh, but I Kyle Manungai, yeah, yeah, who's the right who's side? Who looks like a Manungai? He's five foot nine, yeah. two thirty or something. He's just like a yeah. squat bowling ball. He's kind of fun to watch. I have no idea what a Manungai looks like, but I guess that's <laughs> that's, that's that's what, what a Manung, he's a Manungai. But just the, just uh, to clarify, uh, Wimsat was yeah. seven of sixteen for forty six yards against Virginia Tech. Yeah, and Virginia like Tech is not a juggernaut, and no. the and the uh, the the interior defensive line. I watched uh, the Rutgers Virginia Tech game. I watched the replay of it, and and I don't think that interior defense offensive line is very good. Now their defense is solid, but I think they're going to get demolished yeah, on his, the offensive his, side. His, his best stat is he's not turning the football over, right? You right. had three second half interceptions uh, to Michigan last year. So, you know, if he can not turn it over, run around a little bit and dink and dunk, I think they consider that a win uh, at, at Rutgers. And it, that's probably good enough for them. They play good enough defense. They run the football well enough for them to be a bowl team. That, so that, that defense is for real, man. They're like, they yeah, added a good. couple players. They brought back almost everybody else. Um, they've got guys who were starting last year who are now on the bench because they brought in better players. And Michigan really did struggle to move the ball against them. I know the receivers didn't help their quarterback out last year, but mm-hmm. he also had, if you're having to throw the ball to receivers and they're dropping them, uh, the defense is making things at least a little bit difficult. They play a they play a very sound defense. You know Shiano's defenses, and the way to break through them is a way that Michigan doesn't typically like to do, which is let your guys go up and get it. You have to go up and beat these guys. They're going to put their safeties in one on one coverage, and you know they're going. I want to see this time. You you gotta like you know use Tyler Morris, get him you know running in space a little bit. Um, but you know, if Roman Wilson's open, man, throw it to Roman Wilson and put it up there and let him go like run underneath it. That's the that's the way I think to beat these guys. Their defensive ends are great. I think that um, Brian still hates former Michigan player Aaron Lewis no, because I he, can't, I, <laughs> he can't. He was extraordinarily block. he was one dimensional last yeah. year. Yeah, and he's, so he's really a very good around. pass rusher. And Barnhart gave him the business last year. Yeah, as uh, on the ground. So he's, I'm, I'll he's be interested to see that. He's definitely come around as a run defender this year. So he's. I mean, it's he can improve a lot and still not be an asset for the Rutgers and yeah. In this also, game. the the de- the offenses that Rutgers has faced this year are not very impressive. Virginia Tech. I don't think people realize how bad Virginia Tech is. They could be one, have... maybe the worst Power Five team this year. All right. So um, Gene Smith. I think we we need to at least make mention of that and make mention of the continued appeals to conf- to Congress and Congress seems to be like mm, kind of SOL there, pal. SOL there, college football. What are you gonna do? Fix your own mess. So um, I don't think you can look for an investigation in Ohio State there, Seth. I, I think. I, I, think I mean, we Jesus have we have the athletic director admitting. 
that it's standard operating procedure at Ohio State to pay players $5,000 to come and visit. Now, if we are, if the level of investigation is, if players get a cheeseburger, we have to investigate this, then I think that the AD telling the United States Congress that they pay players $5,000 to come visit warrants an NCAA investigation. Am I wrong? They like Gene Smith. Oh, they well, don't maybe. like Jim Harbaugh for whatever reason. So they have an axe to grind with Jim Harbaugh. So if if we still need to convert anybody, please <laughs> pay attention to this stuff. Because when he Gene says, says says that, people are like, "Oh gosh!" But like the reality is, everyone's like, "Man walks on moon." Right, like this is <laughs> we've known this stuff's been going on for ages, and we know like how they use credit cards and how they use they, they, the, the shoes and the system. They they've been yeah. doing this stuff for ages, and they've been doing it so blatantly that their rivals all know how they do it. And I think yeah, the energy is better spent <laughs> figuring out how you're going to pay Bryce Underwood. Let's figure that out. <clears throat> I Let's figure that out. I say send him on a lot of visits to Ohio State. Just like take ten visits to Ohio State, Bryce. Convince can them you, that you're super you, interested. <laughs> can you imagine how much money Michigan would have shelled out to Underwood already if it took five K to get him on campus? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, that guy was set hey, for life. Hey, guess guess where they are, you know, trying to figure out how players are gonna get paid. Colorado. <laughs> right? Uh, it's just just there's nothing like what's that's going to be another question as we go out. Think about phenomena in college football. Is there anything comparable to what we see going on out there? Yeah, right I mean, it, like remember Furby or Furby? Uh, yeah, or or uh, Beanie Babies. Oh, I, I was talking about in college football. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is there that Beanie Babies can't block either. <laughs> but that's kind of the point. Okay. They they are not a flawless team by any stretch. They're gonna get hammered in the. And they're probably gonna get hammered. And people, the the media and recruits and and Wu Tang Clan and Lil Wayne and The Rock, they're all yeah. still gonna go. They're all still no. gonna be out there. No, as soon as as soon as as soon as Colorado drops two games, it's gonna be like Dion. Who I don't remember you. Back on radio in about 30 seconds, guys. Let's see. Well, they should have lost to Colorado State. They were they should have. Yeah. They were outplayed by Colorado State. Back <laughs> up, Mike Norvell. Yeah. I think, you know what? His, know. his strategy, though, in, in retrospect, I was like, okay, he's basically kind of co-opting the, the style a little bit of, of Dion and was trying to use it to his advantage. Like, hey, man, this dude, look at his glasses, look at his hat. Yeah. If he had won that game, Matt Norvell suddenly has a whole lot of buzz. Stand by, guys, coming back on radio. Just yeah. didn't quite well, work. Well, he has no one to blame but himself for gagging for gagging that game away. Uh, but because Colorado State had right. that game, we won. are back on radio oh. in five, four, three, and we Stop. are back, folks. Here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk, ten fifty WTKA online at wtk.com. So, Ohio State, anything that goes on with the Buckeyes, we got something to say about it, right? And especially when it's uh, as significant as Gene Smith testifying in front of Congress. Ira, can you find that what the congressman said to? College football, real quick. You pulled it up the other day about, hey, go clean up your own mess. I, I mean, kind of care, be careful to treat the United States Congress as like one voice. I mean, these, these, <laughs> this, this is not the most agreeable group of people. <laughs> so here's what we know, though. There has not been enough support to do anything as of yet. It would seem to me that the, the voices that say that we aren't going to do anything are probably more 
more based in reality than, than any voice that says says they are going to do something. I so uh, Gene Smith, he steps in front of Congress and say the going rate for visits is $5,000 for the top guys. And so, Seth, it seems uh, you interpreted that as Ohio State's paying the top guys $5,000. I think I think Ohio State's paying top dollar. I think that, you know, it's, you know, it's, it depends. It, it, it's, it's the going rate is not like, okay, everyone $5,000. It's how much does it need, do you need to like come see your campus? And if you are Ohio State and you have to walk around Ohio State fans and you have to be on that dump of a campus and see the color gray everywhere, then $5,000 seems reasonable. I mean, you know, I'd pay me $5,000 to go to Columbus, I would do it. I don't think everyone was paying $5,000. I think that the I love that he said it out loud because like this is just the stuff we've known for I've known for what 10 years. That like that kind of that level of kind of things go on because I I heard about Thad Matta doing that thing. I think that's probably more for some recruits. I think that it's probably um, that players want got it around that you could like charge five thousand dollars to Ohio State, and so I'm sure some players so, took them for a ride. So is is Jimbo Fisher under investigation, sir? No, no. So. No. And Nick no, Saban called him out. These guys, Nick Saban called him out. Come on, man. The, the, the NCAA does not ex- the NCAA does not exist. And anyone who's still trying to convince themselves that it does is it's fooling themselves. Let me tell you what happened in Congress, though. Congress saw that a lot of different states are passing a lot of different rules. When they're when that was hot. Congress said, look, this is going to be ridiculous. We can't have every state pass their own rules because all they're going to do is create whatever rule is good for their in-state university because mm-hmm. everyone's got a political motivation. And like if, if you say, all right, Texas is going to win a national championship because we're going to have three-time better players than everybody else, you're going to win some elections in Texas. So that was what they were worried about. And they were also worried about the players being exploited, the people who are serious about this. And when I talk about the people who are serious, I'm mostly talking about the Congressional Black Caucus because this is an issue that they were taking up, that they understood, and that they, they were going to get involved with. That kind of lessened as the as the story lessened, as the NCAA kind of backed off and said, whatever, you guys do this, it, there wasn't as much of an immediate need. So now the need is let's have the same laws across all the states. That is going to take a long time. That's going to be a big negotiation. In the meantime, everybody wants the political issue. So they're going to grandstand. They're going to invite Gene Smith. They're going to have, you know, this bill's going to be written, this guy's bill, and this bill's coming out, and everyone's going to get their name on a bill. And some of them are just going to be bought and sold by the NCAA. And some of them are like, you know, Ted Cruz is going to have a bill. It's going to be whatever the NCAA paid him to say, because that's who Ted Cruz is. Everybody else in Washington is doing their own thing. When you get a serious one, I'll let you know. But you'll know because it is going to be talking about having all these different rules among the states and saying, let's have one set of rules that makes sense, that protects rights, and it's going to be as minimal as possible. Because it's not about you go clean up your mess. That's what they're saying right now. It's about we don't want states passing rules that are that's going to end up throwing way too much of our economy into college football. Yeah. So yeah. far, that hasn't been so good as far as college football is concerned because Congress – for all the grandstanding that you just highlighted, I don't think it's grandstanding by all kind. Like Cory Booker, I don't think it's grandstanding. I no, mean, he's no, a former no. college yeah. football athlete, right? He's like, okay, I see and, the need and, there. And what and what caucus is he a member of? I mean, you know, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I want to get. I don't. I yeah. don't want to turn this into a political discussion because yeah. I'll start hearing about it in the comments. But, but yeah, it's an issue, a real issue for a contingent 
not for a collective or a consent. I mean, it's just not for enough of them. So we got to figure out how to survive and thrive given the environment that Gene Smith maybe kind of lifted, lifted the veil from. You know, I, I actually don't even think there's a veil there. I think he's kind of saying what we already knew. So, um, fellas, Michigan State, uh, how much worse is it going to get, Brian? I mean, will there be administrative heads that roll? Because, man, I just these people, they keep misstep after misstep. Why not just wait for the hearing to for to fire Mel Tucker? Because at least then you have plausible deniability about, hey, we just found out about this this issue. We didn't know we were just going to let the process play out. Now you can't even say that. Well, You're asking me to explain the actions of Michigan State administrators. I can't do that. (laughs) Nobody can do that. Um, I mean, from their perspective, I think the thing that they have to worry about at this point is when they do fire Mel Tucker, the portal opens Mm -hmm. for those players. They're three games into the season. They got one more week. And then there might be some guys who are like, you know, I can go somewhere else and preserve my year of eligibility if I if I go now. Mm-hmm. And given how they looked against Washington, I, you know, I feel like there's probably going to be some players who take that opportunity. Yeah, why um, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you say, "Hey, I'm done. Go take some official visits." I mean, why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. Um, I mean, there are probably some true believers who want to stick it out, but you know. And then they do have a bunch of transfers. And if the NCAA is cracking down on double transfers, then those guys will probably be sticking around because they would lose a year of eligibility. But if that is an option for you, then that might be something that looks appealing. So I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work out. But given what we saw against Washington, that's not a team that's like rallying, right? Right. That's not a team that's like like having a team meeting and be like, all right, this isn't going to be us. This seems like it's falling apart. Um, and if they want to move away from being a portal U, I don't think they have an option for the next few years because mm-hmm. they're probably going to lose big chunks of their recruiting class. They are not going to have a head coach until like days or maybe a week or two before the early signing period. So they're going to be looking for scraps in this recruiting class. They might be losing 10 or 20 guys to the portal before the season's even over. And they're going to have to try to import tons of guys. And if you have Travis Hunter coming along, if you have Shedder Sanders coming along, maybe that works, but that's not something that Michigan state's going to have access to. Um, so whoever takes over is going to be in a real year zero situation. And that's something that I think is going to factor heavily in the minds of coaches who are thinking of taking that job. Cause I don't, they're talking about Mike Elko right now. Mel, Mike Elko probably isn't going to take that job because Mike Elko is probably about one year away from getting a big job. Mm-hmm. If he can maintain what he's doing at Duke, he's not a guy who's going to make a leap. So you might be looking at a coordinator. You might be looking at a retread, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think, a hot name is going to look at the Michigan state roster and be like, this is something I need to get involved with. Cause as Colorado is demonstrating, you can import some guys from the portal. What you can't import is offensive and defensive lines. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. I mean, they have a defensive line though. I, the, what they should do is look at it. Do they? Bracket. I mean, yeah, I, they, I mean, they've got some players in the Cause you know what they did is they had they got some, there. They got some players, but yeah. they just gave up 710 yards. And they got to, nowhere near Mike yeah, Penix the yeah, whole game. That's that's true. So, they lo- their defensive ends are an issue. I like their tackles. That besides, 
Nebraska is, the, is what they should be looking at because Nebraska got into the coaching market early and they got Rule, who was not really working last year, right? So they're, I think that their best option would be somebody who's like an analyst now or somebody who's taking a year off. You know, uh, I don't know what Bill Bryan's doing right now or whatever, but like, hello, Bryan. I'm just, I'm, I'm throwing out, an, I'm throwing out like a name of like somebody who is that Pat level Sherber. of person. Yeah, we saw Paul Chris last week. Paul, Paul Chris, see that's that's. I that's think like, worse. Get that guy now because you're allowed. Because you're allowed if you get an extra coach. They did this with their Ohio State. Did this with Urban Meyer. He was allowed to go out and recruit even if he wasn't coaching yet. They give you that extra coach if you hire somebody. Get somebody in now. You're out. You're in the coaching market early. Start see, talking Urban, to someone now. Urban likes stack decks. Urban likes stack decks. I can't imagine him going yeah. someplace where he'd. Have oh, I'm to not saying they're going to get Urban Meyer. No. That's that's a Michigan State ridiculous victory. I'm just saying, I, get a guy now. I, I, it's someone who, who's an analyst who's been around. Who and because I didn't think Nebraska was going to come out as well as they did, and I think Matt Rule is a great hire for them. You know the the problem here is that Michigan State, and if you listen to another radio station, I I don't very much, but if you listen to them, they think this is a top fifteen job. That's their vision. <laughs> well, that's what they say in the and, Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten, right there, and 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 maybe I'm not saying that maybe someday it might not be a top fifteen job, but right now it's nowhere close to a top fifteen job. That that's that's delusional, and um uh, and well, so you don't, what you don't have need, a president, yeah, your board of regents, uh, is I know, feckless, like they can't stop shooting themselves in the foot with scandals. And I think Mel Tucker's probably going to come away with a pretty significant settlement. Well, of course, that's what I was going to say. He's going to sue them. And if, if they don't come to a deal in the next month or so, expect a lawsuit. And I expect that lawsuit will be one that a will be public. Yeah. They got to make him go away. They got it. Cause he, you saw in the statement, he said, yeah, I can't wait to have discovery on the Michigan state administration and the board of trustees. Like, come on. The one thing Mel Tucker and I agree on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. We got to anyway. get out of here. We'll pick this up next week. Yeah. Always a great discussion, folks. Uh, looking forward to the next time we do the Go Blah Roundtable. Until then, we'll see you tomorrow here on the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050 WTK of the Ticket, the official voice of the University of Michigan Sports Ann Arbor Accumulus Station.